Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Today is September 22nd, 2020, and we are in day two of United Fresh Washington Policy Conference. Now, the Washington Conference normally is an annual event that unites the produce industry to address the most pressing public policy matters, but this year, it has gone virtual. And as I discussed yesterday, this is my first time attending the conference, so I'm writing some notes for the podcast, but then also learning about my own business and how I can be an advocate for the produce industry as well. Yesterday, I unwrapped the schedule. We went through day by day, event by event, and guess what? Today, we are going to start with the opening general session. Can you hear me flapping pages in my notebook? That's right. I took notes today, everyone. Get it right. Not just on the computer, but my handy dandy notebook. So kicking off today at noon, we have the opening general session advocating for the fresh produce industry. We have Tom Stencil, Robert Gunther, Michael Music, and the Honorable Sonny Purdue that are going to give some upcoming outstanding announcements. And then we have the Grower Shipper Board meeting, which I talked about yesterday, as well as the concurrent education sessions, advocacy in a virtual environment, as well as what we can learn from other food sectors. And let's not forget, are you a rising leader in today? And rising leader, Tom Stencil said, young, I say all rising leaders in the industry. If you are, we have the time tonight from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. to have a great networking event for our industry. So I appreciate everyone coming today. So let's dive deep into the general session. Tom kicked the call off with some great opening remarks and sharing the sponsors of Duda Farm Fresh Foods and The Packer. Duda Farm Fresh Foods has created a legacy within the produce and supply chain industry. I really think you should check it out. If you do not know who Duda Farm Fresh Foods are, you are going to know them now. And I continue to get to know them as I develop my career and follow them within the produce and supply chain industry. So really looking at this general session, Tom Stencil talked a little bit about the past. He talked a little bit about the history of our nation. And really it was about, he said, 16 years ago is when United Fresh uh, celebrated their 100th year anniversary. The company started in 1904. So one thing I can tell you uh, people is that United Fresh has been around uh, for over 100 years. And if I can tell you anything, it's time to start getting involved. We need more young people to step up earlier so they can be a part of this change and a part of this community, not just later down the road in their life, but in the beginning of their life and their career. Tom also talked about 1942, the crisis, World War II. There was new rules. There was rations between rubber, their fuel. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? He said it sounds a little bit about what's happening in 2020 today, right? Think about what our industry, what our nation, what us as people have gone through in this pandemic. There has been shortages of certain things. Hmm, can you think about which one of those things are that you use every single day? Toilet paper. I mean, can you think about any of the other food items um, that were not in your grocery stores? So we are starting to see things in a different lens as I always 
always say, everybody looks through their lens. It could be a broken one. It could be a faded one, a fogged one. You could have a astigmatism and it'd be perfectly fine, but your eyes are just messed up. Everybody sees a little bit differently. But what we have seen is that pandemics and crises will always come and they will always go. And one thing the produce and supply chain industry has been able to show is resilience. When Michael Music came on, he talked more about, you know, the challenging, the hard year, difficult times. Listen, if you've been listening to the podcast since day one, we started in the midst of COVID. April 1st, 2020 is when we started. And guess what? A lot of businesses that started talking on the podcast were not doing good. Some were doing great. Some were doing good. Some were waiting for that PPP money to come in so they could survive. Michael talked about as an industry, yes, there were great parts, there was bad parts, but as an industry, we felt the food supply chain. And not only that, we felt a lot of our people, our customers, our vendors, our brokers, everybody was in survival mode, whether they had too much to supply, not enough to supply, it didn't matter. You were on one side of the spectrum. Heck, I even heard in one of today's calls is that Someone was supplying fruit the exact time they needed. The crop was going well, and then COVID hit, and customers started increasing orders. Well, they didn't have much land land to produce more fruits and veggies. What do you do? That's still a crisis, right? You're just on a different end of the spectrum. And I'm not going to steal his thunder and his quote, but let us seek the right answers, own our responsibilities to the future. Am I right? So we then heard from Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue. Now, what's great about this, this is my second time being on a virtual call with Mr. Sonny Purdue. So it's always interesting to hear some of his advice and some of the things that he has cooking down with the USDA and within the federal government. The beginning of March, COVID hit. And there was a couple questions that, you know, Tom Stencil had asked Sonny Purdue about how do you look at the food system in the last six months? You know, what do we see in the future? And one of the takeaways is, and I noticed this because I was getting a lot of contacts throughout COVID and I still do, is that how the citrus supply chain works. Myself, I am in citrus, but how the supply chain works, why were there, is there not food? Is there a food shortage? And heck, in one of my episodes, I, I spoke with uh, Scott Daniels of Young's Commercial, and he talked about it that, you know, we had to stop worrying that there was a food shortage. And it was funny because, um, Secretary Purdue said, uh, uh President Trump, uh, came in one day and said, Hey, uh, uh Mr. Purdue, do, do we have enough food? And, and Sonny Purdue said, yes, sir, we do. It's just realigning it and putting it in the right distribution channels um, to make it available. And, and that's true. A lot of times within our produce and supply chain industry, the distribution channels are not there. There are so many growers, packers, shippers, marketers, brokers, importers, exporters. I can go on and on and on that are using you know, everybody to cut a slice of the fruit to get it to a reseller or a wholesaler, a wholesaler or a distributor. So I understand that realigning um, the food supply chain, it has to be adjusted now and again. I mean, food service and grocery outlets or stores are the main source of our food outside of our home, right? When it's inside of our home, we understand that's where we get it from. But once we leave our home, there's only two places to get food, which is, you know, some type of food service or the grocery. You know, when we when we heard about, you know, onions being dumped, milk being dumped, I mean, all these things that weren't happening, I mean, that would cause anybody to say, what is going on? 
Is there a, is there a problem? So really, we talked about navigating the food supply. Uh, talked a little bit about labor. You know, uh, really, you know, we really, really talked about is Americans being resilient and how uh, Secretary Sonny Perdue um, is is advocating for the fresh produce industry as uh, same as Donald Trump. I mean, he talks to Sonny Purdue every day, he says, and talks about, you know, how my farmers doing. I mean, that's great to hear. I mean, that's something that, you know, in the produce and supply chain industry, and I said this on an earlier podcast, is when we get recognition, oh, it's a great thing because most of the times we're dealing with all the other problems, right? I'm not going to say the R word. I, I promise I won't say it, but we all know what that is. So, uh, we talked a lot about labor too, about the essential workers. But here's the funny thing: essential workers. That doesn't just mean that they're immune to the virus because they're essential workers. No, these are essential workers that are keeping the food supply moving. But then knowing that they're putting their health, their lives at risk um, to do what's right for others. And like I said, these farmers to families box programs that that are uh, being taken place too, right? It's about being able to serve the community. We talked about that Farmers to Families box program, and they said it was a win-win-win, right? Win for the growers, uh, win for the wholesalers, win for the uh, the 501 3Cs. It was a win all across the board. It was a food miracle, right? And it was very clear um, that there was no business happening between the food service sector and the restaurants, so we needed to figure out another way or find a solution, right? So the USDA did. And the USDA has a lot a lot of things that they do within trade mitigation, we all know, and normal buying patterns uh, of the USDA. So this is just something new that they cooked up. But if you go back and look at the studies, you know, the USDA has been doing direct-to-consumer studies for multiple years. So obviously, they've had something in their back pocket for this program to start on the whim. Am I right? I mean, think about it. Farmers, packers, food banks, delivery. It happened pretty quick. And yes, there were some, I would say, scrutinating uh, uh, gestures against the program in the in the beginning, um, but it seems to be doing just fine. And, and I talk about this in one of the other episodes, again, that uh, we sold citrus uh, to a packer that had the farmers to families contract. So as a grower, packer, shipper of uh, California citrus uh, that I work with, we were not awarded directly and we and we tried and applied for it uh, but later down the road we teamed up to the right people that were directly part of that program and we were able to service citrus through that program now we're coming into round three and the president has even awarded another billion dollars into this program along with another i believe uh it was 13 billion concluded to be 14 billion dollars of new funds for the agriculture industry the Farmers to Families program is serving a purpose. Um, you know what? And then we talked about the schools and the salad bars. That's one thing that's been really tough is that the schools are not having as much kids inside the school because of e-learning and homeschooling. So these are things that are have to be adjusted, right? Curbside pickup programs for the USDA through the Agricultural Marketing Service. There's over, they said there's over 3,000. Um, it was flexibilities because each district, each school, each, I would say, uh, county has their own regulations. So he, uh, Mr. Sonny Purdue was saying when a, a county would come in and say, hey, this is what's not working, they would find a solution of what would work to make sure that the children were getting the healthy meals that were needed. And they extended this program uh, through the summer. Summer, So the summer was able to have the school feeding program, curbside pickup, and be able to provide fresh fruits, fresh vegetables all throughout the summer as well. So I always think to myself, 
how does this affect my business? So as I look at this, I have a consulting business with the produce and supply chain industry. I also have a sales and marketing company that sells for a grower, packer, shipper, and then I am partnered with a grower, packer, shipper. So I always think about this, you know, is how do I, or as my business an extension of my commodity, um, my commodity is very focused on citrus or the citrus, uh, I would say, um, category, right? So how is my business or my category and extension of my business uh, to United Fresh and to this Washington Policy Conference? And what I think we have to take out of this is, is if we do not tell our story, then someone else is going to. And if we're not there to advocate for ourselves or for our industry, someone else is going to. And we talked about this yesterday. Uh, Mark Clumpine and I talked about is that, you know, uh, numbers, right? So if no one's advocating for your industry or that category within Citrus, and we know there's other political action committees that advocate for Citrus, this is an entire vertical within United Fresh, right? They're the only vertically integrated, I would say, uh, not show. I always want to say show because we're having so many virtual shows. Uh, but advocacy into Washington that represents the entire supply chain, not just one part of it. So therefore, the whole industry, not just one part of the industry, which is good. And, and I am starting to learn that because I'm starting to really ask myself, how do we get more involved in this? And then even being part of the International Pineapple Organization, I thought to myself, what about pineapples and what about the tropical category? How do we see that being affected as imports and other uh, commodities that are not U.S. driven, but companies are owning the imports, right? They're the person on the consignee taking title of this product and representing it in the United States. What about those commodities? So there's a lot of questions that I still have asked uh, that I want answered too as well. And I'm going to find out because I'm going to be here all week. So let's move in to what what is next, right? Because I can go on and on and talk about all the things that we can do, but we're here to talk about the things that we are doing. Mr. Sonny Purdue says it, impact and engage, 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 nothing more authentic and making an impact, engage, engage. So I think engagement can make an impact. Numbers, right? Tell your story. From 1.30 to 2.30, I jumped in the grower shipper session, and this was sponsored by Bayer Crop Science. Now, this call talked a lot about challenges business has faced during COVID-19. Uh, there were a few people that I noticed on the call. We had Paul Lightfoot from Bright Farms, James Benson from Hironis, also saw Joe Dugo, Bobby Grindstead, Kim Flores, uh, Mary Alameda, and a few more. So there was a few people on the call that I did recognize and a few new people that I met. Each member got to talk about challenges that they are facing within their business, talking about, you know, how do they figure out a stable work environment going forward? You know, what are the struggles if they had some? Some talk about the struggles were different for them. Some said they just had, you know, customers coming at them with more orders, but didn't have enough land to produce. Others were saying they had no orders. So it was pretty interesting talking about challenges uh, that the entire industry went through during this time. A couple other fun facts. I saw the PACA. So P-A-C-A, Perishable Agricultural Commodity Act. So we saw a number of complaints, the dollar value of complaints, and how many licenses were issued and or renewed during a time period. So the time period that we looked at was January 1st, 2020 through September 18th, 2020. How many complaints were filed? 938. What was the value of these complaints? 51.7 million. Wow. And let's see how many new issued renewed PACA licenses during this time? 
7,799. Now, if you compare that year over year from last year, uh, the complaints during the same time period was 883. The value of those complaints were $34.1 million and new issued renewed pack of licenses was 8,543. I cannot believe that that's how many licenses have been uh, renewed or approved during the time period. Uh, A lot of companies coming into the produce industry, I would suspect. I also learned about the CFAP today. I didn't really know about it what's for growers, so I learned a little bit about CFAP, CFAP, CFAP 2.0. You know, why should you sign up? Should you not sign up? Um, so check out on the United Fresh website. Check out the CFAP 2.0. Um, they could talk a heavily a lot more about it. I mean, there's also a lot more information about the PPP, you know, the ability uh, to allow yourself to keep moving forward, right? If you're not applying for some of these uh, government-funded programs and you are struggling, uh, there might be a time for you to go ahead and learn more about them and understand what you need to do to be a part of these uh, programs. We then moved on to the employee health and wellness. So this was covered about self-assessments, testing for your business, talking about the labor challenges, as if someone does have a COVID-19 within your workforce, what do you do, how do you do it? There's even companies that are going out and doing best COVID practices, right? So they're looking at the cost of these methods, they're gonna survey these methods, and I believe that United Fresh might be part of helping with the uh, the surveying of that or asking its members if they would like to be a part of it. So that was very interesting as well. So if you look, COVID is shaping the business world as people are developing new businesses out of it. And we're going to come up with best practices now, or someone's going to, uh, about COVID-19. What are the best practices to have during this pandemic? Um, and it was it was interesting. So a lot of things still uh, unknown because it's happening. You know what happens if positive versus negative test results take longer than expected, and people have been exposed. So there's a lot of things. So um, stay tuned. You, you gotta you gotta be a part of the community to know what's going on. If you're sheltered in your bunker and you're only worried about what's in the four, the four uh, walls, uh, you're not gonna know. So stay a part of the news. Stay a part of what's going on, and stay a part of the community and. And then sales training program. Uh, They talked about going virtual this year. The program is November 15th through the 20th. It is a sales training program offered through United Fresh and it is going virtual. So they have, uh, they were even saying they're happy with the attendees uh, that have signed up so far and they expect to have a lot more to sign up before the November virtual sales conference. So before we head on to our last event for the day, and I mean last event before the networking event, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to hear from some of our partners. So when we come back, we're going to hear about the concurrent education sessions, advocacy in a virtual environment. Welcome to Terra Exports, a fast-paced, entrepreneurial, and innovative, multinational fresh produce company with eight divisions worldwide that handle fruits and vegetables across 65 countries. Did you know that Terra Exports was featured three times in Inc. 5000's fastest-growing companies? Terra Exports starts at the ground, literally, with the growth of the product at the farm all the way through distribution channels up into the end user. They take pride in their products, arriving fresh and damage-free, and they're there every step of the way, working alongside suppliers and customers who share in their common goal. Visit Terra Exports at www.terraexports.com, as well as following them on social media on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. 
If you get on their website, you can also check their availability calendars and all of the produce that they have in store. When you join Terra Exports, you become a member of their global team of thinkers, innovators, dreamers, and doers who are bringing a fresh approach to the produce and supply chain industry. So reach out to Terra Exports today at terraexports.com. Are you ready to enhance your skills? Every day we are tasked to make fast, effective decisions to keep up with the fast-paced produce industry. At AgTools, we take the pressure off of gathering data to help make your day easier and more enjoyable. Connecting the supply chain with AgTools is unique, practical, and easy. AgTools can be used from multiple angles of the produce industry, from farmers all the way to logistics companies. We call that 360-degree decision-making day after day. Visit www.ag.tools.com to gain more reliable and relevant data to see more, achieve more. And now, back to our show. Welcome back, everyone. It's always great to hear from our partners, Terra Exports and Ag Tools. So as I said before the break, we were going to talk about the concurrent education session coming up, Advocacy in a Virtual Environment. Now, Molly Van Lu was hosting this call, and if you haven't heard, Molly was on the podcast before, and she did a session on the Farmers to Families Food Box Program, which is being talked about at this Washington uh, conference as well. A few of the guests during this call, we have Alex uh, DeNovo of DNO Produce. We have Kim DeRucho, uh, Vice President of BiPAC. And we have Dana Brennan of Grimway Farms. And we're going to talk to Alex right after this as well. So we're going to have a personal one-on-one conversation, but let's break it down. I mean, realistically, advocacy in a new virtual world. And it was interesting going through this because at some points I was listening to a few of the uh, speakers talking about the shift in advocacy, you know, talking about the first states that, you know, created a shelter in place order. And I was sitting there just thinking to myself, like, what the heck am I talking? What what are we talking about here? Like, what are we, what are we going through? And it was, that's when it it really hit me. Uh, And I swear, um, Alex, Alex uh, DeNovo, all of a sudden, you know, he was asked a question and he goes, you know, before I answer that question, I I just want to say, get involved. And that's it. Get involved. I I then started to think this is what's happening, right? This is what we're here to do. We're listening on these conversations. We're interacting with people to network. We're getting involved and engaging. And even Sonny Purdue said it earlier today about be engaged, right? It's impactful and it will impact people. I mean, more people that get involved, I mean, the better the outcome we're going to have. I mean, listen, like you could, you can throw salt all day, all day on politics. Um, but again, we're the ones who are voting and it's hard to explain that sometimes. And I remember back in the days that my wife, when she used to tell me how important it was to vote when we were 16 and 17 year old, and I would always say our vote doesn't matter. And it's so funny because looking back, it's like, wow, how crazy was it? You know, how we thought or, you know, how our opinions have changed and, and what we did so differently. Right. So even in this virtual world, I mean, I've even heard it from some of the people in Congress that it's great to have uh, a virtual conference like this. And I heard that normally uh, a lot of the uh, the marches on Capitol Hill happen in March. They were going to happen in March of 2021, and now they are canceled. So now more people are going to be going to this virtual, um, I say, world if they haven't already, but for conferences with Congress. 
So this is not just going to be a change for just our industry, um, but even for Congress and even the politicians. I mean, they're we were on Zoom uh, with, like I said, Secretary Purdue today. Uh, we're going to be on Zoom with a lot of the other uh people that are going to be in Washington later this week and next week. So these are all things that were not happening probably a couple of years ago or even last year, but they're happening today and that's why it's so important. So from out, from this, I, I really got, you know, being involved, right? It's discover, you know, how to bring these officials into your operations, building positive relationships year round, right? And, and like Alex said, you don't have to go out of your way and, 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 treat them and, you know, dine them and wine them and all this, but let them know you're here, you know, send an email, send a letter uh, to your local representative, talk to them about your business. So that way, when there is a time where we have to step up or you need to call them, they're going to know who you are, right? It's hard uh, to cry wolf when you're way past that point. So also there was another, uh, conference during this time was what can we learn from other food sectors so while we were all tackling the fresh produce industry challenges a lot of other sectors were doing different things within the uh, i would say the globe too it wasn't just us that was really struggling the entire nation has been upset from the food sectors um all the way think about it all the way to rubber, fuel, all these different things, whether they had overstock, whether they didn't have enough stock, there was plenty of things happening throughout this. I did not get a chance to join that session, um, but I heard it was fantastic at talking about the initial chaos of the nationwide shutdown, the new normal, and I suggest checking that out if it's available afterwards. Now remember, some of this stuff is open and free to all attendees, but then again, you do have to pay to enter some of these conferences to be able to be part of the voice, right? So that's one thing that I have learned is I know this is a paid for event, but you have to look at it as an investment into your business. What are you gonna do when it, when or if this happens again? Are you protected? Hey, a way to protect yourself is to be a part of it to protect yourself. Start speaking up for yourself. We even talked about some of the innovation and it was so funny because we were talking about etiquette for, for Zoom calls and all these different things, webinars, how to connect, building relationships from the pandemic. Everything is going to change and that's what we have to understand. Everything, everywhere is gonna keep changing and that new normal, it might not come back. So it's, it's something we have to look at all the time, all the time. And another thing we have to remember is the youth. You know, staff members, as Molly was saying, get tons of complaints, okay? Listen, ugh, I hate it, right? You know me, if you, if you talk to me, I am a huge, huge advocate for the upcoming generations. Um, I am the author of Millennial Boom with my co-host Hans Finzel, and we talk about how to thrive together, right? I mean, these are the things we have to do. There's no dumb questions. Molly kind of smirked about it today, but there's no dumb questions. We are all learning this. Whether you're 18 years old or you're 75 to 80 years old or, or older, you're always learning, you're always gaining something from somebody else. And even like I said earlier, Tom said if you're a young industry leader looking on the rise, join the session and the networking session tonight. Well, that brings me to the next thing. 
um, joining that networking session. There was a lot of industry veterans on there. There was a lot of people uh, that I recognized right off the bat. You know what I mean? So um, it was interesting because uh, there were some people that didn't have their camera on, which we completely understand, but there was people that were there. I mean, some of the people, let's see, uh, Emily Brugato, John uh, Bailey, Jeremy Doyle, um, Jackie Kaplan Wiggins, uh, Amanda Carl, uh, Lori Taylor. Um, you know, look at this. These are people that we've seen in the industry. Um, it's, it's crazy that all of us are somehow, some way trying to be a better leader at all times. So whether you're a rising leader or a growing leader, I think that no matter what, we can all benefit from a lot of these networking events, getting together and being a part of it. Now, listen, let's go ahead and let's hear from Alex DeNovo from DNO Produce. And remember, I heard a little bit about his story today. I mean, this guy goes back generations and generations in the produce and supply chain industry. So let's get Alex on the line. Hey, Alex, welcome to the show today. Hey, Patrick. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yep, we are in day two of the United Fresh Washington Policy Conference. And yesterday was more of the volunteering day, as I talked about in the entire review of the jam-packed schedule that was happening right for the next two weeks. Uh, but today, we had the open general session, right, that we heard from Sonny Purdue, talked about some things that were happening within the produce industry, talked about the Farmers to Families Box program. And then we had the... Uh, Oh, it was the grower-shipper call today, right? So that was listening to a lot of grower-shippers today in the industry. So I heard from potato guys. I heard from some, uh, I think it was the carrot, Grimway's got the carrots. So I heard from a lot of different grower-shippers. And then that's what led us up uh, to your call today. You were on a call today, Alex, uh, guest speaking. And I attended that entire call all day, right? And I mean all day because guess what? I felt like I've been here since yesterday. But check this out. <laughs> you brought up something that really struck me, dude. All of a sudden in the call, I'm listening to uh, Dana Brennan from Grimway, and she was talking about the shift in advocacy, and I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, right, Alex? I'm going, wait a minute. Why am I here? I'm thinking to myself, why is advocacy so important? And then, boom, dude, I, I, go ahead. What would you say? Well, I mean, I, I think if, if you're in this industry, if, if you're working in this business, um, and you're, you're, you're earning a living, uh, you really should care deeply about how policy plays a role in, in shaping the industry, really for better or for worse. A lot of the decisions that are made in Washington, um, you know, with impacts to trade, nutrition, immigration, they have real consequences for your business. Um, and it just seems like, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, have, have some sense of, of apathy towards governance and, and, and the, the attitude is, okay, I'm going to turn off and ignore rather than lean in and engage. And I think that the correct approach is to absolutely engage. Um, you know, something I always like to say is you need to put your, your mouth where your money is, right? So, you know, we're invested in this business. Uh, we're, we're hopefully making money in this business. And uh, we should be doing everything we can uh, to make sure that uh, policy is set up to assist us uh, in doing that. Um, if for nothing else, coming to events like this and or engaging in uh, policy and politics in general will cast a wider net for your business. So 
maybe it's just networking. Maybe that's the only thing you get out of it, but that's more that you got out of it than, than sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. It's more than you got out of it yesterday doing nothing at all. Am I right? I mean, it, it is true. And there was a lot of things that, you know, each, uh, I would say section or event happened, you know, they were each talking about something different uh, about this Washington policy conference, what's happening, you know, how you can be a part of it. Um, there was things that I learned today and I was telling earlier, I got my notebook. I've been flipping back and forth. Normally I take notes uh, on the computer, uh, but for some reason, I went old school today. I've got like six pages of notes. Uh, but again, there are things that I learned about, about the CFAP today. Um, learned a little bit more about PACA violations. Um, so there are things that even myself, right? I'm sitting here as a uh, representative grower packer shipper in California for citrus. How do these things affect me? But I'm looking at it going, wait a minute. Um, it's very interesting that... Um, 7,799 PACA license were renewed and issued between January 1st of 2020 and uh, September 18th of 2020. I know those might be just, you know, data or facts or opinions of some, but then I'm looking at it going, wow, you know, the Farmers to Families program started. There were some new things that went there. You know, you start thinking about, you know, your whole business in, in general, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. And I agree with you. I think that uh, you said it right is like, I swear, I thought you had ESP at the time, man. I'm like, man, I'm like, Alex is thinking what I'm thinking right now and, and get involved. And, and why do we need to get, have more people get involved? You, you said it. I mean, everybody here has a voice and we speak larger in numbers, right? I mean, well, yeah. if you don't say anything, exactly. what do we do? The squeaky wheel gets the grease. So, uh, you know, for instance, in, in opposing industries like, you know, the canned industry or frozen industry, you know, even though those industries in some ways do um, help out produce, but you know, you look at something like the processed food industry, for instance, and they have a very large membership, a very loud voice. So a lot of times they can bend policy to shape and mold uh, what suits them best. Um, and I've always thought that as an industry, you know, what we're doing, it, it's good, right? I mean, like, we're not selling pop, right? We're not selling cigarettes. We're selling fresh produce. So it's pretty easy to get behind, not only from the standpoint of, hey, this is my business. It, 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 it is my livelihood. I make money off of it. But I can go to bed at night and say, you know what? My business, my livelihood, it's also a good thing. It's something that is generally a positive thing in society. And I think that's a leg up that we have on a lot of other industries and why it's, it's so easy uh, and so necessary for more of us to get involved in, in really making things happen. Yeah, you're right. And we talked off the mic about my time at California Citrus Mutual. And I remember going to these meetings and I was young back in the days uh, I was in my 20s, and it seems like everybody starts within their 20s. we got to start recognizing these 20-year-olds, these man. I'm really telling you, when I was in my 20s, I was told to, like, you know, shut up and do what I, do what I was told. I didn't, um, and that's where I am today, which is great. I love it, but it's true, right, Alex? I mean, there's so many times, like, you know, even uh, Molly was talking about the staff. Um, they're, they're so young, and they, they might ask dumb questions, um, but if we empower um, these younger people, uh, we empower a lot of different people we're going to get a lot of results. I, I think that once people take things um, for their own, right, they, they now have a stake in the matter, then they can sit there and go, wait a minute, I want to be a part of this. 
why am, why am I not voting or why am I not doing it this way? Right. And they're like, Oh, well you're doing it this way because you didn't vote or you weren't a part of it. Right. You were just the guy screaming on the sidelines. Yeah. I would argue that it's every company's civic duty to get younger people uh, involved because it's, it's, it's part of what makes a society function more generally. Uh, but also, you know, if you get younger people involved, they're going to come up with new ideas, different ideas, you know, where is, where's the puck going in this industry, so to speak? It's, it's, it's normally not the, you know, the 60 and 70 year olds that are coming up with the new, uh, you know, cutting edge type ideas, although that does happen, but typically it comes from younger, the younger generations. Um, so, you know, I know at our company, um, you know, we have, I think there's three people coming to the Washington conference this year. Um, and, and, and they're young, they're in their, uh, one's in their twenties, I guess one's in their thirties. Um, but we're always trying to make it a point to give them access, um, to these types of events to encourage them to, uh, know that their voice makes a difference. I think it makes you more of an appealing company. If you're going to say to somebody, you know, who's right out of college, whatever, maybe even still in college, Hey, we want to invest in you. Uh, we care about what you think. Uh, and we want you to play a role in this. I think it's good um, many ways around, and uh, it, it is important to engage younger folks in the uh, in the political debate. Yeah, for sure. And and I had a good time when I was at uh, CCM back in the days. Um, I'm not in California anymore, as you know. I'm in Tampa, Florida now. But I was, like I said, I was year after year uh, volunteering, like I said, in each each section, right, networking the political action committee, all the above. And it was great. It had, it helped me learn a lot about the industry. And then a lot of people that were fighting for it. And that was that key thing I went back to, you know, like, um, you know, who is actually making or influencing these decisions. So being able to know these people, it'll help you when you send an email or you write a letter, they're going to know who you are, right? They're going to say, Oh, wait, I, I remember uh, Alex. That's right. Do you know produce? That's right. I saw him here. I saw him here, right? He's always around. Yeah. Let's see what we can do for them. And, and you have that book. I got to talk about that little book. You have the little black book of the, of the United Fresh Washington conference. I don't know what that was, but if that's what I think it is, if that's all the, you know, the emails and the contacts and the phone numbers to all of the, I would say politicians, the staff committees. I mean, that's important. And I think, I think you're right because I think by being a part of that and being able to email them and talk to these people all the time and communicate through, you know, the, whatever trade association that is. I mean, I think that's powerful, man. I think that a lot of people need the, to go through that and experience talking to their, um, you know, federal state or local rep. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that little book, Look, it's the, the, the 116th Congress directory is the latest edition I have. It has every representative and their staffers, uh, at least as current as when they print the book. But, you know, lawmakers and their staffers, they're people too. Uh, it, it really helps to have a relationship prior to meeting them. Um, so you want to stay in consistent contact with your legislators, have a regular cadence with them, just like you would your customers. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. Once a month. I mean, you know, you got, you have your, 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 uh, your congressman and then you have your senators just once a month, send them something to let them know that you exist. Then when you really need them, you can call on them. Um, so yeah, the, I think it's a little handy book that I use often and I'll, I'll shoot out emails uh, to both of, both of my senators staff, uh, as well as my congressional uh, representative from the district that we, we, our business is located as well as where I live and just let them know that I'm alive. 
uh, and try to develop a relationship with them so that if and when I do need them, I'm not cold calling on them, you know, Johnny come lately in the moment of a crisis. Yeah, that, and it makes sense. And like I said, we talked about that off the mic as well. I've done that, right? So when I was importing pineapples, um, I was able to call on a few, right? Even through the citrus industry, right? Because it was still in California. We were importing. Uh, we talked about that was the port strikes in like 2012. Um, but you're right. I mean, they, they, they recognized me. And when they reached back out, it was, hi, Mr. Kelly, I do remember meeting you, you know, even if they didn't, you know, they might have seen the name or, or, or asked somebody, hey, did this person register? Or is he telling the truth, right? They probably did their, their research, right? Because they got back to me. And it's true. I mean, the first thing they said was, yes, we remember, you know, California Citrus Mutual, you know, boom, 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 boom. And then, uh, you know, it helped get to the next level. And, and I do agree with that. So if that's one thing to take away from this, Alex, I mean, it is about being involved, being present. And um, right now, sticking your head in the sand would just be ignoring it, right? And that'd be just going on to your normal day-to-day business and saying, well, I don't need these guys. I'll do it myself. Listen, if you can do it yourself, congratulations. We're we're proud of you of that, right? It's it's not who you are though all the time. It sometimes is who you know. Um, So that strength in numbers is is very true. Um, But I do believe that it's, you know, time to step up, uh, not even just now more than ever because it's 2020 in this pandemic, um, but just like planting a tree. When's the best time to plant a tree, Alex? Now, right? So uh, plant it now, plant your seed now. Alex, I appreciate you coming on uh, the show today and taking time to talk about uh, the Washington Policy Conference that United Fresh is hosting. All right. Well, thanks a lot for having me, Patrick. I appreciate it. What a great conversation with Alex from DNO Produce. As you can tell, him and I have talked a little bit before, and we're also still starting to get to know each other. So we met back at the United Fresh uh, virtual show in June. And again, I have just started to get involved more and more with not just the trade association, but in our industry. Because why? Being a part of a community is something bigger than yourself. I hope you enjoyed today's session. Tomorrow, Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020, we are going to start at noon Eastern Daylight Time Election 2020 Live, the general session. It should be a good conversation tomorrow. Like I said, we've got both representatives from the Republican and the Democratic campaign party, and they're going to talk about what 2021 would look like if and who gets elected in which party. So we'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.